Welcome to Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm your host, Christine Trumbull, a certified exit planning advisor, CPA, and certified tax strategist. I've spent the last 30 years working with owners to grow and scale their businesses, and then went on to help my own husband grow his. After his passing, I moved to the next chapter, ensuring seamless transitions for family-owned and closely held businesses. Each week, we are talking to experts about growth and transition, so you can not only simplify exiting your business, but also get as much wealth out of your business as possible. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Thank you for joining me on Mastering Your Exit Strategy. I'm Christine Trumbull, and today I have Edwin Dearborn. Edwin is on a mission to help practice owners and ambitious business professionals attract their ideal clientele through proven referral, social, and influencer strategies. To that end, Edwin has written three books on the topics of branding, social media strategies, and influencer marketing. His latest book, Referology, details proven methods to exponentially grow one's best clientele source, referrals. Edwin's mission began with a simple question, how can practices and businesses grow with highly effective and affordable referral and social strategies? Government lockdowns and rising inflation underscores the need on how to leverage the power of attracting referrals through personal contacts, emails, social media, strategic partnerships, and local influencers. His straightforward and often humorous approach is refreshingly direct. He brings a genuine enthusiasm and empowering with pragmatic strategies and tactics that will lead to higher revenue. So thank you very much, Edwin, for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. I, absolutely. So I, as I was mentioning before, some of the questions are going to be a little selfish because I'm very interested in this topic. So one of the right out of the gate, I want to get to know you just a little bit better. So briefly, give me a little bit of background about how you got here and why you do what you do. Yeah, thank you. Well, I was fortunate enough that I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and my mother and father had several small businesses as I was growing up. So one of the first things I was able to do, because I was, you know, a teenager and, you know, I, I could only do so much in terms of skills. We owned a travel agency when I was 19. And so this is back in the mid eighties in Orange County, California. Marketing back then was limited to yellow page ads, handing out flyers, joining the chamber, yep, right? Small newspaper ads. Yeah. Oh, there was no internet, as you know. So I did what I could to help advertise our travel agencies. I made flyers with the rub-on letters. I'm dating myself. <laughs> and I would, you know, take, hey, mom, what are the top 20 cities that we get the most requests for? Give me the best prices on those cities. So I put that on the flyer. And I go around to business parks because business people need to travel. Mm -hmm. I would just drop the flyers off. And I would do like 500 to 1,000 flyers a week. Wow. And this is on top of, and then we do the same thing with local newspaper ads. Here's these top 20 cities. Here's the prices. And we were getting phone calls from the flyers and the ads that I was putting together. So I was like, I got really excited then. So I started taking classes at junior college at Orange Coast College in 
Costa Mesa, California on advertising, photography, art. I was trying to get that whole, you know, that whole advertising side of life. I started reading books on the topic and I did that for three years. And within a little over a year, we had a million dollar a year sales in business from all that marketing. And I probably handed out a hundred thousand flyers in that time, maybe even more. And I just blanketed all the business parks. Now, let me put this into perspective really quickly. This was in the mid eighties. Yeah. A million dollar business. Yeah, That's not the same dollar. as a million dollar business today. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So, and you know, we were selling airline tickets for 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, so we were just doing it on quantity, just pure quantity of, you know, and, and so then I went to work for an advertising agency in Orange County, California for about two years. And that's where I really got, it was able to cut my teeth on larger projects with more professional organizations and got to understudy somebody who had been in the advertising business for 30 years. So again, you know, I just was doing the work and reading the books. And then in 2006, 2007, when the economy crashed, I realized that the world was going to change and YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter was just coming about. Right. I had a friend, Bill McIntosh, who was crushing it on internet marketing at that time. So here I am in a crashed market and I saw the future and I said, Bill, again, back to my old ways. Can I be your understudy? I'll work for you. You teach me and I'll read books. This is what I know. I'll work with professionals and I'll read books. So I did that for three years and boy, did I learn a lot. So, and I think my big takeaway after working with Bill McIntosh and going on my own afterwards was I found that most small business people are overwhelmed, mentally overwhelmed by all the things that they can do. So I take the approach not to throw more big words at them and big strategies, but reduce it down to what can you do with what you have? Get small wins, build their confidence, and then continue to build the small wins. And then we look back a year or two later and we're like, wow, look at all the skill sets. And I apply a Japanese principle called Kaizen, mm-hmm. yeah. which is small, continuous improvements. Yeah. So I find that base where they can begin to win. And then I just nurture them along. And that's how I build brands okay. effectively in the digital marketplace. Excellent. Excellent. That's very good. So one of the things that um, you talk about is the 10 core principles of business growth. Um, would you like to share those? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what I like about, you know, like, as I mentioned about the Japanese philosophy, I, I you know, I, I read a lot of history, mm-hmm. a lot about philosophy, the Greeks and Roman Stoics. Yeah. And so I realized everything has principles. And the word principle, the derivation means that which is first. So if you don't have that which is first, how are you going to build second, third, and fourth? I like it. Right? We all have principles, whether it's the Ten Commandments or, you know, we have principles in business. Principles are important because they form our habits. They form our policies and SOPs. I thought, 
you know, there's got to be principles to business growth. So I went on a mission to kind of establish and research kind of like what everybody agreed on were the principles. So I'll go over those. Number one, the money is in the list. Absolutely. Right. Do you have an email list? Do you have a mailing list? And I would also include in this your the amount of followers that you have. That's your digital list. So I would I would expand that old saying, the money is in the list, going, do you have lots of followers, engaged followers? Do you have their email data? Do you have their address? Sometimes it's very helpful in particular markets to send, you know, thank you cards, gifts. Christmas cards, et cetera. So what I find is that most people don't have an active list. They're not, they don't really have an email database. They don't have a mailing list. They, oh yeah, I've got it somewhere, but it's just not one of the top priorities. Right. And any marketer will tell you that the email database is just critical to marketing your business and distributing content. Now I'm going to, I'm going to sidetrack you just a little bit please, uh, because a lot of people, um, that comment that you just made um, that the, a lot of people don't have the email marketing list, but it is imperative. It's, it's very important. And a lot of people don't understand why, why is it important? Well, you know, there's an old saying out of sight, out of mind. If you don't stay in front of people, there's so many marketing messages coming at people on a daily basis. You've got to be omnipresent right. in front of your list. You've got to be, they've got to see you on through video. They got to see that you're constantly messaging them. And interestingly enough, I mean, I emailed my database twice a week. We call it, we retarget them on social media. Um, I send them gifts if they start engaging with me, you know, like, Hey, Edwin, I really love your content. Okay, great. Can I, did you buy my book? Did you know, I start engaging with people mm -hmm. that type of engagement is what makes you stand out in a, in an apparent sea of sameness. There's so many me too brands out there. Mm -hmm. How do you stand out? Well, you have to engage them with content. That's what really builds authority is like, love your videos, love your insights and your emails. I love your books. That's how you stand out. But just because they bought from you once doesn't mean they'll buy from you again. Right. At okay. All. No guarantee of that. Excellent. So what's the second one? The size of your list and followers directly influences the size of your revenue. So if you've got a 200,000 size mailing list, that's better than 2,000. Same content going out, but here it's a matter of orders of magnitude. So my next question I ask people is, what do you do to actively grow the size of your followers and the size of your lists? Okay. Do Does your website have an opportunity to opt in? You give them something for free, a free book, a free course, a free video, you know? Right. Um, do you actively send out invitations to your target audience on LinkedIn? Do you ask for people's email addresses when you're engaging them in person? There's so many different ways. But the moment we start to grow the list, and, and we'll obviously add to these other principles, I've done, uh, you know, I'm a partner in a bookkeeping company in Florida, 
And I started out as their virtual chief marketing officer two years ago. Her mailing, her email list was 300. And she maybe emailed it, oh, about every quarter. Oh, by the way, I need some business. I'll send out an email. Yeah. Her email list is almost at 7,000 two wow. years later. Wow. And we send out an email, an FAQ, every single week. And we post five times a day on social media. Oh, wow. We've grown her sales from 10,000 a month to 60,000 a month in that year and a half, a little wow. over a year and a half. And we're on track to do $100,000 a month by the end of the year. Excellent. So, um, okay, I'm going to sidetrack you again. <laughs> I apologize. We're not, we're not going to get through all 10. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I've heard that, um, you know, there's a lot of controversy about how often you should post to social media, which platforms, how, what times of day, and yeah. each platform has a different time of day that's best for, you know, attracting, uh, uh, to, you know, to get in front of people. So you just said you're posting five times a day. Yep. That's a lot. So yeah. I get the feeling, I mean, I, anybody listening, my head just exploded. I'm lucky if I can get four times a week, but you, you're saying five, isn't that a lot? I mean, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. Well, we're getting a lot of business. I mean, you know, what, what is the average time that somebody spends on LinkedIn when we're posting or on Instagram, they're spending maybe 20 minutes a day. So when is, when is the 20 minutes that they're going to be there? I want to be there in their feed. So mm -hmm. if I'm posting every three to four hours, I have a chance of hitting them once. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So do you see, it's like. It's a numbers game. I, I post, yeah. Oh, it, it is. Sales is definitely a numbers game and yeah. marketing is what generates sales. So look, it, I, all I know is I've got an opportunity to get in front of a lot of people and stand out. And the more content that I share, the more opportunity I have to reach people once. They may not be on LinkedIn for three to four days, and they're only there for an hour one day. I want to be there that hour. Right. That makes so sense. How do I get there that hour? I just post often. And right. if somebody doesn't like how often I post, they can unfollow us. Yeah, very true. Right? I mean, it's a free country. You know, you know, like how many times I post, you know, I'm growing 30 to 40 followers a day. I'm not worried about if you unfollow me. I've got 30 people behind you waiting to follow me. Right. Okay. Excellent. So number three. Within your list of followers are influencers. Okay. Now, 5% of the people on social media create 90% of the content. Say it again. 5% of the people on social media create 90% of the content. Wow. That's an influencer. So one out of 20 people within your followers or within your email list are influencers. Now there's different levels of influencers. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks an influencer is some hot, good-looking model on Instagram with 2 million followers. I'm not interested in that for my business because the beautiful model isn't going to bring me business clients. Right. There are other types of influencers, people with between 1,000 and 10,000 highly engaged followers is called a nano influencer. Okay. And between 10 and 50,000 followers engaged is called a micro influencer okay 
these people may have small audiences, but they're highly engaged. I met a real estate trainer who only had 700 clients, but each of these 700 people were paying him like a thousand dollars a month to train him. Okay. This guy's making 700 K. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like highly qualified, highly engaged list. Right. I wanted to be on his podcast. Okay. To access, see, that's an influencer. Yeah. Yeah. The way you can find this out is either by observation, you see that they've they themselves have a lot of engagement on their social media. Mm-hmm. Usually what I ask them is how how uh, how engaged are you? How active are you on social media? Mm-hmm. And if the guy's like, well, you know, I kind of post once in a while, then that's not someone I'm going to look towards. But if he's like, oh, Edwin, I've got 10,000 followers on Instagram and I'm posting five times a day and I got so much engagement. I'm like, now that's the guy that I want to partner with. Right. So yeah. I need to figure out how do I get on his show? How do I get him on my show? How do we co-create mm-hmm. an opportunity or content together? Right. Because that guy is going to put me in front of not only a lot of people, but the right type of people and highly engaged people. So look for the nano and micro influencers that can you know, leave the positive reviews that can co-create content with you that can, you know, and that co-created content, they now take that video that you made together and now Mm -hmm. they send it out to their list. Right. That's a force multiplier. Yes. Yes, it is. So um, follow-up question. How do you find those nano and micro influencers? Number one, just observe what they're doing on social media. If you see lots of comments and lots of likes, you know, that they're a nano or micro influencer. Okay. Or when you talk to me in person, I'll just say, hey, so, you know, what's your favorite social media? How engaged are you on social media? And if the enthusiasm comes up and they tell me all the things they're doing, that's that's the person I want to work with. Okay. So just be observant and bring it up in conversation as you're talking to people. Okay. You know, like yep. if I'm working with a dentist office and the person's done with their dental treatment, I'll say, are you active on Yelp? And if they go, oh, absolutely leave me a Yelp review. Okay. If they're not active on Yelp, why would I ask for a Yelp review? Sure. Right. That makes sense. So one out of 20 will probably say, yeah, I'm pretty active on Yelp. Good. Get that review. Right. It's like when I meet uh, somebody at a networking function or somebody new and I go and they're in business and I go try to find them on LinkedIn and I can't find them anywhere (laughs) because they don't, they're like, they may have a, they may have a profile with no picture and they, they, they set it up 10 years ago and never came back to it. (laughs) That's, that's not helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I may look for somebody who's an author with 30,000 followers. Okay. Now that's a guy I want to reach out to. Right and go, hey, can I be on your podcast? Or will you be on my podcast? Or, you know, vice versa. So it's, you just have to look for the signals, whether it's in live communication, or you can look at their digital profile and see how active they are. But an influencer, if you work with these influencers, you're going to gain a lot of more traction and, and they become great referral partners. They become great opportunities to build greater brand awareness for you than you could ever reach with paid advertising. Excellent. Excellent. I, I like that a lot. Okay. Number four. Fortune's in the follow-up. So I'll tell you, this is 90% of the problem with lead gen is people are like, oh, I got a lot of leads off of Facebook, but nothing happened. I, you know, 
I'm like, right. You didn't call them nine times. You didn't put them in a CRM. You didn't retarget them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You didn't drip educational content in front of them. Right. Guy fills out a form on Facebook. Three minutes later, it's squirrel. I mean, he's, he forgot he did it. Yeah. Right? You're right. You're right. I mean, you know, I mean, he was interested at that moment, but that doesn't mean three minutes later, he's still thinking about your offer. Mm -hmm. So particularly with larger purchases that have a large, larger consideration time, like buying a truck or buying a home, the average gestation period of a lead, you get this off Facebook for buying a home is between 12 and 18 months. It will take you 12 to 18 months before that lead actually converts into a sale. Wow. So you got to generate leads today and nurture them for 12 to 18 months to see the full ROI on your lead gen campaign. Wow. So you've okay. got to think in futures, if you're just that realtor is like, I got to sell a home now, I got to sell a home now. Mm -hmm. And you're not thinking about building a brand or building a business for the long haul, you're going to miss out. The fortune is in the follow-up. I put everybody in my database. I post all the time. We retarget them. We send them webinars. Hey, you, we give them reasons to engage. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I love I've I love these people who get on social media, they start doing something, they do it for about a month. Well, it didn't do anything, so it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, Christine, you know what I you know what I learned? This is what I ask before I start to work with somebody mm -hmm. to really drill it into them this important uh idea. How long does it take to build a powerful brand? It, it, well, quite a while, generally. <laughs> How long in your estimation? Oh, in my estimation? Um, I'd have to start asking questions like what kind of brand and where are we and all those. Uh, five years. There you go. Five years. <laughs> you know, the most common answer is five years. Okay. Yeah. So I tell people, I go, good. Do you want to build a brand or do you want to just struggle for five years? Because if you, if you're going to live in those five years, either way, mm -hmm. yeah. if we do your brand building intelligently, then in five years, you'll have a powerful brand. If you keep doing this hunter mentality and you're trying to just kill some meat <laughs> on a daily basis mm -hmm. and you're not going to get into farming and agriculture and actually build a sustainable ecosystem, mm -hmm. then you'll, you'll be starving in five years. But if you do it the right way in five years, you'll have a powerful brand, which will allow you a greater exit strategy. Right. right. So you want to exit in five years? Good. Let's reverse engineer the five years of what we would have to do every single day, Kaizen, mm -hmm. to get you to that five-year exit strategy of a much bigger valuation than what you're looking at right now. Right. Thank you so much for that shameless plug for exit strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done. Thank you. Thank All right. you. Number five. Good service is no longer acceptable. Good service is just getting to the table. Yes. Agreed. Every, Wholeheartedly. Everybody, yeah. If you say, well, I deliver good service, you're like, I hope so. Yeah, you better. <laughs> You, I mean, that's, good service is 
is minimum wage. Yeah. I expect good service for a $5 hamburger. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if you say that, you know, you deliver good service, you're literally a white belt in Kung Fu. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> right. If you want to be Danielson with the crane move <laughs> with Mr. Miyagi winning the championship, you better bring remarkable experiences. Mm-hmm. Not remarkable service, remarkable experiences. Right. You do something and people go, wow, I remember that. Like there's a there's a place here in Vegas. It's a little bit of a hole in the wall, and all they do is serve breakfast, but the breakfasts are huge and they're mm-hmm. yummy. But not only is the breakfast food amazing like Vegas can do, because I live in Las Vegas, and we're known for food. (laughs) But they're so friendly. How was it? Did you enjoy it? Did you get the right fruit for your dish? Mm -hmm. Can I pour you another cup of coffee? Before you go, do you want a to-go cup for your coffee? Is there anything? You just don't worry. You don't have to pay me right now. You guys take your time. I mean, hands-on, five-star, remarkable. They're creating that experience, that whole experience. Every person I've brought there, family and friends, remarks on it, which is the definition of remarkable. They're like, wow, this place is awesome. This is like, I go, right. You're remarking, you're making a remark because it's remarkable. Right. How do you build those experiences that are so amazing that people go, wow, I love this place. When you have remarkable experiences as part of your brand, then people will share that and you'll start to see the referrals. Excellent. Okay. Number six. Impactful (laughs) communication is a superpower. I like that. We live in a digital age. Uh, As I coined it, become an articulate beast. Become very good with your communication deliver one of the one of the ways that leaders stand out you take a look at a john f kennedy or a ronald reagan they were great communicators very much so how do we distinguish leaders in society and business we distinguish them by their ability to articulate emotions, ideas, and strategies. Martin Luther King Jr. was a powerful speaker. Mm -hmm. Yes. You need to, in your own way, become an articulate beast. And for some people, that may be video. For some people, that's TikTok. For others, it's writing books. Everybody has their own genre and channel and medium that they feel more comfortable with. I know some people that don't like to be in front of video, like yourself, you have a podcast. Mm -hmm. That's your way to create impactful communication that you can then distribute to the world. And that's how you attract attention. So I, I like to work with everybody going, okay, so what's your, how do I make you an articulate beast in your own way with your own voice you know, I don't care if you got a Southern twang or you're a Texas cowboy, <laughs> there's a way for you to articulate your personality in a sure. way that people go, wow, I really like him. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. 
And number seven. Content is king. We already know that. Yep. Distribution is queen. Engagement is the throne. I like that. That's good. Okay. We all know that content is king. Great. So now you've created impactful communication. But now it's how far did we distribute that? We've got to take that content and through paid ads, through working with influencers, posting on social media, email databases, retargeting, your content, your king content will only be do you good if that content is distributed. A lot of people put a lot of effort in creating the content, but they don't think about it. Okay, well, how do we get in front of eyeballs? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> You know, like I just thought I'd create it. And then, you know, if you build it, they will come. No, that's not true. If you build it and promote it, they will come. Right. So we got to figure out a distribution. Now, what is engagement? Every social media, they're really the biggest thing that they look for in content is engagement, especially comments, because somebody's got to take an effort. Giving a like is easy. You just tap. So they don't give that a high ranking. But if somebody writes something, that has got that will boost your content way higher. If I have a post on LinkedIn where there's a lot of comments, it will uh, it'll go from a thousand views to thirty thousand views based on how many comments there are. Okay. So engagement is the throne, and if you engage with your engagers, guess what happens? It turns into conversations. Yeah. And it, and I assume it ranks even higher. It ranks even higher, right. which is part of the distribution. So you've got to create content that's engaging and then engage with your engagers mm-hmm. and you start to build a relationship. I've had people go, man, we've been going back and forth on social media for a couple of months. Tell me what you do. How do you help <laughs> my business, right? So that engagement and that conversation then becomes part of your database. So you become a lead. Right. Okay. Excellent. Number eight. Content marketing is the new PR. I have a lot of people go, well, we need a public relations campaign. We need to do publicity. That's your content. You have to start thinking as if you are your own media agency. If you start thinking like a publicist and you start acting like your own PR agency, all of a sudden it transforms your content. It transforms what kind of things you go, what would bring us publicity? What would be that thing that would make a spark or build buzz or be newsworthy? And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk once briefed uh, a bunch of realtors and he said something very intelligent. He goes, you need to become the digital mayor of your town. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about the local businesses. Talk about the mayor. Interview the police officers. Show people that you are, you know about, you're connected with, you're active in your community. See, that's creating content that's like publicity. You've become your own uh, your own BBC, your own CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, whatever you're into, mm-hmm. start thinking like a media outlet. Mm-hmm. And then start building those stories as if you were being your own publicist. All of a sudden, your content marketing has got a whole new flavor and, and it becomes remarkable. That's great. I'm sitting here as we're going through these, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, I do that. And I, that's very, I need to add that. And that's one of the things that I definitely need to um, 
it start to incorporate. That's fantastic. I love that. That's yeah. great. I mean, this podcast is is publicity. Yeah. Sure. Right. Right. So that's yeah. a, that's a way. So now you talk about exciting topics and exciting guests, and that is your form of publicity. Right. Uh, number nine, joint ventures and co-branding are force multipliers. Now. We, we see this all the time on television, you know, Coca-Cola, the official drink of the NFL. Right. That's co-branding. But there's, there's an opportunity there for smaller businesses and even independent agencies and startups to create this co-branding or joint venture opportunity. So if you're a local dentist, you could sponsor various school projects you could be involved in the community you could give uh you could partner with other doctors where you're the referring dentist for the local optometrist and in turn when people need optometry you send them their way you can build these type of of joint ventures if i was a florist i'd be going to every church and going hey i want to be the official florist for all the weddings that you do right i'll give you special discounts right if you refer them right? Or I'll make a donation to your church or synagogue. If you send them, I'll take right. 10% and I'll put it back into their church. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so there's ways to work out co uh, official joint ventures and co-branding. So this is a more complex and long-term strategy, but when applied correctly, it can be absolutely huge. This is why you see major corporations doing it. You know, Subaru, the official car of the U.S. ski team. Right. Well, but, any sporting event that you go to is plastered all the way around the field with, uh, you know, their their sponsors and the advertisers and, you know, and they're the right. same ones every single year. They don't move those boards. They're, they've partnered with that sports team, and that's what, you know, to get their name out and their brand recognized. Absolutely. So, you know, it again, this is a more complex strategy, but when really brought to bear on how you can do it, and again, Kaizen, start small, find a, a partnership or two, and then work out. This is how I've been able to grow my uh, virtual chief marketing officer business is I form partnerships. That's how I get a lot of clients. Okay. You know, so it it is something that, again, can start small, but take a look at how you can do that. Again, of the 10, it's probably the most more complex and more involved of these strategies. Okay. And then finally. <laughs> Number 10. And then I also have a bonus principle, by the yeah. way. Yeah. So 10, frequency and consistency are omnipotent. The real hack is if you do all these nine things, but you do them every single day and you do them well and you become better at them for years and years and years, just that consistency itself is a growth factor. Let's take a look at if you wanted to build muscle and lose weight. If I eat a salad and do 20 push-ups and walk around the block for two miles, it would be good for me. But if only done once, it doesn't change my health. Right. But if I eat that salad and I do those push-ups and I walk around that block and I diet well and I do it for six months, I will see results. Mm -hmm. The right things done consistently is where the result is 
gathered. Very true in business. You mentioned earlier, oh, I tried it for a month and it didn't work. Right, because you only did it for a month. Exactly. Right. That was the problem. Mm -hmm. I just found your problem in the first (laughs) sentence out of your mouth. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You didn't tap into this omnipotent power called consistency. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. So and then it, and go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So figure out how, you know, whether it's outsourcing it to virtual assistants or building a team or hire an outside agency or getting a virtual chief marketing officer like me, figure out how do we sustain this? Right. Where's that in our strategy? So sustainability is very, very important. Now, here's my bonus core principle. Um you know, the, what I discovered years ago in doing a lot of live lectures is the word budget is a negative word in the mind. I know. I come across that all the time. I don't understand why people don't like budgets. <laughs> yeah, I stopped trying to, I, uh, for years I was trying to convince people and I came to the epiphany, they just don't like the word. Yeah. Yeah. So what I had to do is how do I rebrand the word budget when it comes to marketing budget. You say marketing budget, they're just like, we don't have any money for our marketing budget. Right, right. Okay. So I said, do you want a 10X sales? And they said, yeah. So I said, well, how about we, if you had a 10X expansion fund, To fund your expansion. They're like, ooh, I want a 10X expansion. Yeah. <laughs> you see the difference? That sounds sexy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I removed the word budget. I don't bring, I don't use the term marketing budget anymore. Okay. What's in your budget? Nothing. Right. <laughs> What's in your expansion fund? What, oh, how well, much money do you we, have in your next expansion fund? My what? Yeah. I mean, you obviously, I mean, you want to expand, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you must have an expansion fund. You know, the, the money that that establishes and, and, and implements and initiates your rapid 10x expansion. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, what if you had one of those? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> so I use the word 10x because it not only is a popular term, but what if we took 10% of your earnings and put it back into funding the first 10 principles. Right. What if we were putting 10% of what you made into funding your principles? I like that. How many businesses are putting 10% of their earnings and funding these 10 principles? Right. Almost no one. Right. And the moment you start putting money in, you know, like I'll go to a dentist and I'll say, how much money do you generate in your practice? $100,000 a month. Good. How much of it is um, profit? You know, after you payroll, taxes, you rent. Goes why well, I have $50,000 left over. I said, great. Let's take 10% of that and let's put it into driving more new patients in. He goes, that's 5000 a month. <laughs> yes. But here's the good news. Number one, that $5,000 is a tax write-off. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Marketing is a tax write-off. So what other tax write-off actually feeds you more new patients? And I go, what is the average new patient that needs, you know, needs the type of work you do? Right. Oh, some of these patients will spend ten dollars to $20,000 on, 
you know, high end. For those that are listening, I'm significantly rolling my eyes. <laughs> I know, so because they don't five thousand dollars to get twenty thousand dollars, and the five thousand dollars is a tax write off. Mm-hmm. They go, wow! <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just i i've experienced these i've experienced these conversations time and time again, and it just boggles my brain sometimes. It's like it's just it's reinvestment into your own business, and if you just break it down with if you just get one additional client because of that expenditure, you've you gen- usually you've completely covered, and in that scenario, you've complete not only completely covered that initial expense, but you've what four times covered it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and I'll tell you two unlocks on how I do this. Number one, I no longer refer to their marketing budget, but their 10x expansion fund. Right. And then number two, I ask them, what is the lifetime value of a customer for mm-hmm. you? So for a bookkeeper, let's say they go, well, you know, I charge my minimum charges $500 a month for a small business to do their bookkeeping. Okay, good, $500. Mm-hmm. And what? how long would you say a small business stays with you on average? Oh, probably three years. Right. Good. So that client is going to be worth $18,000 over the three years to you. How much is that profit? $20,000. Okay or 20%. So I go 20. So you're going to make in profit probably about 3,600 to $4,000. Would you spend 10% of that $4,000 to attract $4,000 in three years? I go, gold doesn't pay that level. Silver doesn't pay that. The stock market definitely. Cryptocurrency is not paying that. Right. But good marketing does. So why don't you give me $400 a month to get one client that will have a lifetime value of $4,000. And then when that doubles, we'll spend $800. And as your income grows, your budget, your 10x fund will grow because we're putting 10%. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Then I ask him, here's the critical question. When I've worked out all the numbers. What competitors of yours are doing this exact strategy currently? And they go, probably none. They right. go, could this be your competitive advantage? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this me. I like the way you just kind of worked your way right into that one. <laughs> yes or no? Could this just be your competitive <laughs> advantage? And they're like, wow. Yeah. It is my competitive advantage. Yeah. So you've got to break it down for people instead of just going, here's the budget. Mm -hmm. And now they're just looking at price versus outcomes. Right. So I, I stretch it out in terms of outcomes and a competitive advantage. And all of a sudden it's like, good, let's start spending money. Let's put 10% aside. You're right. I'm, <laughs> yeah, because I said, if you don't do this, what I just laid out for you, mm-hmm. now the biggest barrier to your business is you. Right. Not the competition. Right. Because we just determined that the competition is not doing this. So if you don't do this, you're the stop, not the competitor who's not doing this. Exactly. Exactly. 
So if that. you can get out of your own way, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a challenge sometimes, but they can do it. It's this is I like this. I like this a lot. Okay, so um, just so that everybody knows, this um, Edwin has these ten principles on a lovely downloadable which the link to that will be in the episode notes. And I, I'm, I'm going to have to have you come back again <laughs> because we didn't get through um, half of some of the other stuff that I wanted to talk about. So, okay. but, but one final question, and thank you very much. This was very enlightening. Um, I'm going to ask you a few more questions after the recording is stopped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, this, but this was great. This is very deep. This was very enlightening. There's a lot of fantastic information in here. Very mm -hmm. actionable um, uh, information as well. But one mm -hmm. final question, because I believe that learning should never end and we mm -hmm. should never stop learning. What are you currently reading? Um, well, I'm always reading three books at a time. I know I do too. <laughs> I, I have my morning book, my afternoon book, but the marketing book that I'm currently reading is called The Seven Levels of Communication. Okay. And the one I just finished is The Four Disciplines of Execution, which I highly recommend. Oh, yes. Very much so. That's a yeah. fantastic book. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. Well, Edwin, thank you so much. I really do appreciate spending the time. This has been a lot of fun and very informative. And yes, I will have to have you back again. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. And thanks for having me. Thank really you.